This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey everyone, welcome to MLB.com Extras. Today we are talking Mets baseball and we bring in Anthony DiComo of MLB.com who is currently down in Port St. Lucie with the Mets. And uh, pitchers and catchers reported this week, Anthony, you tweeted out a jacked picture of Noah Syndergaard. How's he look? How's his health? How's that lat feeling right now? Well, you said it, Alexa. He looks jacked. <laughs> I took that picture and he turned to me and said, do I look jacked? And uh uh, the answer is yes, unequivocally. Um, now, what does that mean for Noah Syndergaard is another question. I, I know a lot of people have been, I don't know if nervous is the word, but uh, wonder about his physique and about, you know, he came into spring training one year ago with so much bluster about, I want to be as strong as I can possibly be, and I want to throw harder than I ever have before. And, and this coming from a guy who, you know, the previous season had hit 101 miles per hour. So, What's the limit? What is the point of diminishing returns? What is the point where uh, it really doesn't help you anymore? These are things that I think Noah Syndergaard is at least aware of and taking into consideration now, whereas maybe in the past he didn't or didn't as much as, as he probably should have. So he's focused. Uh, I mean, he spent this offseason focused on on flexibility, pliability, all that stuff. In addition to the strength, it's not as if he's not going to weightlift anymore because that is who this guy is, and he's still going to be throwing around plenty of heavy weights, and, and he's made that clear. There's just going to be a little bit more discretion, and maybe not that same attitude of I need to throw every fastball 100 miles an hour, or I'm not doing my job. No, I, I think now it's a little more. I want to get as deep into a game as possible. I want to get as many outs as possible. And if that means Noah Syndergaard sitting with his fastball at 95 instead of 98, uh, I think that's a trade-off that a lot of people around the Mets would would be willing to take. Of course, especially if he can stay on the field for the entire season. Uh, 30 innings was uh, not exactly what they wanted last year. All right, so Jacob deGrom, who is, you know, right there with Syndergaard at the top of this rotation, cut his hair, got a new look, but still same great stuff. What can we expect from DeGrom this spring? Well, he's coming off a year in which he set career highs and starts and innings and strikeouts and all the things you want to see from a pitcher that, to me, are some of the most important things. Just going out there, taking the ball 35 times in a year is something that the Mets have had a lot of trouble getting out of their starting pitchers. So for Jacob DeGrom, a guy who really earlier in his career, uh, when he was younger, obviously had Tommy John as a prospect and coming up just had, uh, you know, aches and pains every now and then would cause him to miss a few starts. So for him to come out uh, and really in his prime deliver that kind of season, I think has created the expectation that he's going to do it again and maybe even do it better because Jacob DeGrom uh, had a bit of a rough start Last year had some had uh, some bad stretches. I want to say towards the end of June, towards the end of May into June, uh, and then really let the world on fire for about two months. And overall, the numbers were very very good. He had about a three and a half ERA. He made all those starts. I think the Mets would like to see him do it again, uh, prove that he can remain that durable, 
and even get a little better because Jacob DeGrom's ceiling, as we all know, is Cy Young. I mean, his ceiling is one of the best pitchers in baseball, right up there with the Clayton Kershaws and the, and the Max Scherzers and whoever you want to put up there in the National League. So if the Mets can go out and you look at this on paper and they, if they can get 70 starts out of Jacob DeGrom and Noah Syndergaard, that solves a lot of problems. And all of a sudden, all these worries that everyone has over Matt Harvey and Stephen Matz and Zach Wheeler and go down the line, they seem a lot more inconsequential if you know your two horses at the top are going to be just that, right. horses. So the, the Mets need them to go out and do that and anything less. Uh, well, for, for a lot of pitchers around baseball, you would say it's just fine. Uh, maybe we're holding these guys to an unfair standard, but the Mets need Jacob DeGrom and Noah Syndergaard to be two of the best pitchers in baseball. Well, of course, and they need them to stay healthy, but that obviously has not been guaranteed in the past for these guys. So, you know, what is guaranteed is their spot in the rotation, Noah Syndergaard and Jacob DeGrom. After that, you got Matt Harvey, Zach Wheeler, and we go on and on down the list. This is going to be really a competition for who makes this rotation this spring. How's this competition going to play out? You know, what's the position of Mickey Calloway in terms of what he's saying about these guys all vying for spots in this rotation? It's going to be fun, isn't it? And, and you know, Mickey Calloway has been very vague so far when asked about that. When asked about it during the winter, uh, we just talked to him as we're recording this podcast. We just talked to him less than an hour ago, and he was, again, vague about who makes up the rotation. And it's interesting because you're dealing with guys who, for their basically their entire careers, at least since they've gotten to the big leagues, and I'm talking about Matt Harvey and, and Stephen Matt and Zach Wheeler, the expectation for these guys has always been, as long as you're healthy, you're a member of the rotation. Well, that's not necessarily the case anymore. I, I do still think it's the case, certainly for Matt Harvey. Uh, the Mets need him. He, he stands a good chance, actually, I believe, of being one of the more durable arms in the rotation. Uh, now, quite a few years removed from Tommy John surgery. Um, I think Steven Matz, based on his upside, if he can prove that he is healthy, he'll probably be there. But even if you give spots to those two and you say, okay, we've got the ground, Syndergaard, Matz, and Harvey, you still have one more spot left, and, and you look at the names. It's Zach Wheeler, it's Robert Gesellman, it's Seth Lugo. These are all guys who have done the job. Uh, you can even throw nominally you know, a, a Chris Lexner or Rafael Montero into that mix. So you've got three, four, five guys vying for one, maybe two spots in that rotation. It's going to be very, very interesting to see because the guys who don't win it, do you put them in the bullpen? Do you put them in AAA? You need to stretch some guys, keep some guys stretched out as starters so who don't make the rotation. Uh, Mickey Calloway is going to have to have some difficult conversations with somebody at the end of spring training. And, and maybe that's Zach Wheeler. Maybe that's Steven Matz. Maybe that's Robert Gasolin. Whoever it is, it's, it's not going to be a fun talk to tell a guy who expects to be in the big leagues uh, or expects to be in the rotation, no. You lost. Uh, this is an old-fashioned spring training competition, and let the best man win. All right, you said you feel good about the health of Matt Harvey, like you mentioned, a couple years removed from Tommy John surgery. How do you feel about his conditioning? Because some of the photos that we've seen recently, he looks less than in great shape uh, getting it started here in spring. Yeah, and I, I know I, I created maybe a bit of a Twitter when I put a, a oh, photo you know what you were doing, Decomo. I I know, Alexa. <laughs> we we talked about this on your twelve twenty five show. Um, I I know people get all all crazy when they see photos like that, but actually, I I really don't believe it's that much of an issue. Um, if you recall Matt Harvey back in twenty thirteen when he was on top of the world, 
it's not like he was a rail fin Jacob DeGrom type. He's always carried a little extra weight. And frankly, I don't think that's a big deal for pitchers. Uh, this is the same organization that, uh, you know, employed Bartolo Colon for three years. And, and Matt Harvey is far from Bartolo Colon. He's still in pretty good shape um, just because he might have a few extra pounds uh, on his gut does not mean it's going to take away from anything he's doing on the mound. So I understand uh, the reaction to photos like that, but I really don't think it's going to play a huge role in what he can do going forward. And I am optimistic for Matt Harvey. I think, um, you know, while it's, it's never easy to say a guy who hasn't been healthy will, will suddenly be healthy. Uh, I think he stands as good a chance as, as anyone in that group of Harvey, Matt's Wheeler, uh, even Seth Lugo, who has a torn UCL and has been pitching with that for almost a year now, uh, I think he stands as good a chance of anyone of putting up 150 good enough innings to say you're a big league pitcher, you're a part of this rotation, and will continue to be going forward. Sure, but you can understand the scare because if somebody who has repeated health issues and health concerns, it looks like they're not taking care of themselves. It looks like maybe they're not dieting well or not exercising properly and there's a concern there that you know maybe there's a a lack of uh, you know care you know you end up wondering why and and what the deal is and what the situation is now like you said he might just be the kind of guy that carries and and he has been in the past guy that carries a couple of extra pounds but for people you know who who see all these other guys coming into spring in great shape and then you've got a guy who has had other health concerns not come into camp in great shape it just raises a red flag well, I think part of it is what are you focused on? You know, Matt Harvey has been focused for the better part of a year now on making sure his shoulder is as strong as it can possibly be. So maybe that means doing some extra uh, shoulder strengthening exercises in lieu of, you know, that extra 15 minutes on the treadmill. Uh, again, for a pitcher, I think that's something that's probably more important. And, and the important thing to remember here, and I'm not trying to be a Matt Harvey apologist. I think I've probably been – Uh, pretty critical of him in the past. I just don't think the weight thing really matters that much. Um, I don't think he's in a spot where he's, where he's grossly overweight for, for being a pitcher, for doing his job. Um, The important thing to remember is that everybody is different and what matters to everybody is different. Some pitchers lift a lot more than others. Noah Syndergaard being a prime example. Uh, Some pitchers don't lift at all. And, you know, I'm not sure Jerry Blevins has ever touched a weight. And I'm not saying that to be funny because Jerry Blevins is about 100 pounds soaking wet, but it's true. Some guys need it. Some guys don't. Some guys like to do it. Some guys don't. Um, Everyone needs a certain base level of conditioning of cardiovascular stuff, which Matt Harvey does. Uh, But to say that he needs to have six-pack abs and and go out there and be someone he's not, be a body type that he's not, uh, look at what happened to T.C. Sabathia, when he dropped a bunch of weight and all of a sudden he wasn't quite as effective. So it means different things for different people. And uh, of all the worries of Matt Harvey, I just don't think this is top of the list or, or even, frankly, all that close to it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so a great point. Uh, let's talk about Zach Wheeler, though. Could you point out that he has spent the last six months injecting a bone growth drug into his stomach on a daily basis to prevent injury? Uh, hold on. What? Like this to, to me, this just sounds so bizarre, and the team has to be concerned about this because from the idea that he's taking extra preventative measures to stay healthy before the season even starts, before spring training even starts, seems so bizarre. Well, yeah, my first reaction was, "Ow, <laughs> that sounds like it, it's not a very comfortable thing." Um, and then you know, I read a little more about it, and it's, it's concerning because this is a drug that's typically used for for older people, uh, for people with osteoporosis, uh, bone issues. 
things like that. So for a 27-year-old who's supposed to be at an age when he's in peak, the prime physical condition of his entire life, to be having to do this in an effort to avoid the types of injuries that he's had in the past, uh, I think it's definitely a worry. And, and when I sent out a tweet about it, I said it in the context, and maybe it was a little snarky, but I said it in the context of, yeah, maybe this Mets team doesn't have as much pitching depth as they think they do because it's not just Zach Wheeler. It's Zach Wheeler that we have really no idea of what he's going to be able to give the team, but it's also Steven Matz who has never had a full healthy season in his entire professional career. It's Matt Harvey who's had one full healthy season since 2013, um, and that was post-Tommy John, and it was, it was a great thing for the Mets, but he hasn't been able to make it back to those heights since. Um, like I mentioned earlier, Seth Lugo has a torn UCL or partially torn UCL in his elbow. So you look at all these depth pieces, and while it's nice that the Mets can run out eight deep, big league quality arms, guys who have proven in the past that they can be very, very good at this level, uh, it loses its luster very quickly when you look at the risk of each one. And I'm not saying every one of them is going to get hurt, but there's a risk that a lot of them will, and maybe all of them will. And then that depth, as we saw last year, becomes very, very thin very, very quickly. So uh, I think in the Zach Wheeler situation, it's just another example of how quickly you can lose out on this type of depth. And, depth, and it's a it's a worry, certainly, for the Mets. And uh, for so many of these guys, Wheeler included, I need to see that they're going to be healthy and they can go out there and take the ball every five days, week after week, month after month, before at this point, I'll believe it really – Jacob DeGrom and Noah Syndergaard are the only Mets starters who have earned the benefit of that doubt in my mind right now. From what you've heard from GM Sandy Alderson, how much hope should Mets fans hold out for the fact that they're going to sign, you know, a, a, another guy, another arm to this rotation to help maybe bolster some of these guys and give them a safety net if there is an injury? Not a lot. I, I wouldn't put a lot of stock in that. And the Mets will and are continuing to monitor that situation, like like the rest of baseball, they are very intrigued by the fact that Lance Lynn is unsigned and Alex Cobb is unsigned and Jason Vargas is unsigned and even the top of the market, which the Mets really have no interest in, Jake Arrieta is unsigned. But there's so many guys who are still out there, Jaime Garcia, Andrew Kashner, guys, guys who have histories of putting up innings and certainly the type of things the Mets could need. So they're keeping tabs on it for sure. And if they decide that it's worth their while and the price gets to a point where they're okay with it, yeah, they might go that route, much as they did with Todd Frazier, a name that I don't think anyone on the infield side of things expected the Mets to be involved in at the beginning of the offseason. His price fell to a level they were comfortable with, and, and they struck for what is widely considered a pretty below-market deal. But right now, with camp opening officially tomorrow, um, the Mets are really kind of in wait-and-see mode. They're not going to be the ones to set that market. They want to go out and they want to see Matt Harvey continue to throw off a mound. They want to see Zach Wheeler continue to throw off a mound and Stephen Madsen go down the line. And if they come away with that and say, you know what, these guys are in better shape than we thought, these guys are looking pretty good right now, uh, then they might not pursue that at all. But if all of a sudden these little injury things start popping up and there's a little bit of concern, the Mets are confident that this market for starting pitchers that is – really still very vibrant in, in early February is still going to be that way 
in late February. They don't anticipate just a glut of these guys signing over the next week or so. So they're going to keep tabs on it. Um, but for right now, they're monitoring for what they have. And if they ever do dip into that market, I really don't think it's going to be for a Lance Lynn type or an Alex Cobb type. It'll probably be lower down the totem pole. Um, someone on a one-year deal, an older pitcher, maybe someone even that you get on a minor league deal, something unguaranteed. All right, let's talk a little bit about this bullpen. A.J. Ramos and Anthony Swarzak, new faces. First impression seeing these guys in camp, and what have you heard? I know Ramos spoke the other day to the media. Yeah, you know, Ramos is kind of an interesting situation because he was here, obviously, for a couple of months at the end of last year. Um, but this is his first time in camp. And like everyone else, he's getting to know new manager Mickey Calloway and pitching coach Dave Islands and, and getting to know what that's all about. And he's going to be part, as will Swarzak, of that back-end mix, those two, Jerry Familia, Jerry Blevins, all of whom could potentially save games at some point and uh, be a part of what the Mets hope will be a much better bullpen than the one that was 29th in the majors in ERA last year. Um, you know, Swarzak, I haven't seen him throw yet, but I'm interested to. I think he's a, his profile is a very interesting guy as, as someone who really kind of changed the way he pitched, changed his repertoire, started throwing a lot more sliders, a couple of years ago and has had one really, really good year in his career. And that was last year. And the Mets kind of gambled with that big contract. They gave him $14 million, that that's going to continue to be the case, that this is not just a flash in the pan, that Anthony Swarzak's improvements were real. Um, you know, you look at those four guys, I think Jerry Blevins is probably the most, the most steady. Uh, you know what you're going to get from him. Familia has injury concerns. Ramos had some performance concerns last year. Swarzak doesn't have the long history. Uh, you're probably not, to be honest, going to get a great season from all four of them. But if you can get a great season from three of them, you're in pretty good shape. It's certainly in, in better shape than you were this time last year. So the Mets are confident in that mix, and, and they can add that to the rotation, uh, which, you know, again, we, we spent much of this podcast talking about the questions there, but they're interchangeable. One leans on the other, and if the bullpen thrives, then there's less pressure on the rotation to do the same. So it's all connected, and uh, the Mets, like probably 29 other teams as we sit here on February 13th, are optimistic. Yeah, absolutely. And they have a lot of reason to be if this team can stay healthy. One last thing I want to ask you about, it is pitchers and catchers. Let's talk about these backstops. They have two guys, Kevin Pilecki and Travis Darnot, who are going to split time. First of all, when's the last time you saw a championship team with catchers splitting time, and who do you believe wins the starting job for opening day? Yeah, you know, it's it might wind up being a little bit of a mountain out of a molehill because Travis Darnoe is the, the starter, and he will play more often than not. But the Mets were intrigued by, and this was kind of a Terry Collins experiment toward the end of last year, what happens when Darnoe is playing four times a week and Polek is playing three times a week down the stretch. Uh, they both produced. And you take it all with a grain of salt because much of it was in September when you face a lot of minor league pitchers with rosters expanded and so on and so forth. But you take a step back and look at the situation, and, and Darno's a guy who has always had trouble staying healthy, always had trouble staying on the field. So uh, does backing off his playing time help him to do that? Pawecki, on the other hand, is a guy who has always struggled offensively at the highest level. He never has really been able to make the most of his opportunities, but coming in with a very strong vote of confidence from, from Sandy Alderson in, in August and September, he thrived. So maybe that was what he needed to kind of kickstart his career a little bit. Uh, at the end of the day, if one or the other starts vastly outperforming 
the other one, it's it's going to be his job. And really, it falls more to Darno because he's the guy who has always had the most upside. He's the guy who you know was the highlight of that R.A. Dickey trade all those years ago. He's the guy who the Mets have pinned the position on for the better part of a decade at this point. And the Mets would like to see him be one of the better offensive catchers in the year in the league and, and think he can be. Um, but he has to show it. And if that means backing him off and not playing him five, six days a week, the Mets are certainly willing to do that. And uh, they showed down the stretch, at least in a pretty small sample, that it can potentially work. All right, sounds good. Big, bright future for this Mets team, and we'll be keeping track of them all spring training long down in Port St. Lucie with Anthony DeComo. That's going to do it for us here on MLB.com Extras, our Mets edition. We will be back next week with a brand-new episode, so make sure you stay tuned as position players start to report down there. Thanks, Anthony, and uh, appreciate all the info. You got it, Alexa. We'll talk soon. Bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.